2: Sports betting season is in full force. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is And you will receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code... Five, that's the word five, F-I-V-E. They also have re-up and referral bonuses as well. Follow my lead and open an account with BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet-U-S. Let me tell you about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football this season. Just draft. No need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog Fantasy handles it all for you. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft a season-long best ball team, and that's it. No in-season management. You can even bring over your home league over to underdogfantasy.com. You get $25 upon sign-up so you can take a free shot at a million-dollar grand prize for their fantasy football tournament. Again, you get $25 free in bonus cash when you use the code 5RSN to sign up. It has never been easier to take a shot at a million-dollar prize in their best ball mania tournament. Go to UnderdogFantasy.com, the App Store, or Google Play Store, use the promo code 5RSN and get $25 in bonus cash. Sign up today. You Break Wheel Fix is a wheel repair and remanufacturing company with over 20 years of experience. They specialize in complete wheel repair, repairing wheels from curb rash bends, and cracks. They also specialize in refinishing from polishing, machining, and custom colors that will suit your car's needs. Lastly, U-Brake Wheel Fix offers a full array of factory and custom wheel and tire applications. Contact them at 305-748-0112. That's 305-748-0112 or at You break wheel fix on all social platforms. This show is brought to you by Lewis Peters State Farm, agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States for more than 60 years combined experience in the insurance industry. Local agents that understand South Florida's unique market, you have access to them 24-7. Walk in, call in, click in through lewispeters.com. You can find them online on social media at sfagentpeters.com. Or you can call at 305 275 5585. Remember, lewispeters.com.
1: Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
2: And we're on and welcome to another edition of three yards per carry. I'm Alfredo RTI. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is not because they're installing an electrical panel at his house. Convenient excuse, I would say. We're toughing it out though. Me and Simon, Simon and I, we're we're here. We're we're playing hurt today. Right, Simon? Um, yeah, I'm hurt. I'm always
3: hurt. <laughs> who, hurt
2: who hurt you? Who hurt me? Oh God! Uh, well, it seemed well. Nobody hurt me, but it seemed like everybody wanted to kill me yesterday. Like you know, like I lost the game. It was my fault. They lost the game. Like I played. But yeah, it was a pretty hostile place on Twitter yesterday. I don't know if you noticed. Mm, I mean, I don't. I don't care. I don't care what people say on social media. I mean, you know, unless yeah. it's me saying it. I don't care. Yeah. But this show is brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code five RSN to get 20% off your entire order. All right, Simon, let's get to this this fiasco yesterday. What a disaster.
3: Wow. It was... Do you know, everything was bad about it. Even the field looked terrible. It did. Do you know what I mean? It did. Even the turf looked terrible. Um, uh, Everything was bad. I mean, there is a sense, isn't there? I always think with these things that... You know, like last week, it was oh, we're on the road, we beat the Patriots in Foxborough, we're going deep in the playoffs, and this week it's like, burn everything, sack everybody, <laughs> we're all gonna die. <laughs> Truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. You know, we're, we're, we're obviously not a bad football team, we obviously do not match up very well against Buffalo. That's a no. fact. Both yeah, offensively it, that's it's just yeah. The, the worst thing is, though, that and the thing that would concern me. And actually concerns me more than the thirty-five nothing defeat is the fact that the coaches haven't managed to work out the fact that we are not a good matchup and haven't been able to adjust to that. That's the critical thing for me that the, the lack of adjustments to make us better against that team. You know, and, and this was on a day where Josh Allen, a legitimate MVP candidate, had a pretty poor day. You know, he had two or three throws that were you know really good, but generally. Yeah, you know, he didn't have a very good day yesterday, and yet they put up 35 on us, and we, you know, I mean that was that was a hideous performance. But it would concern me that we just don't seem to have any answers to the questions that that Sean McDermott poses.
2: Yeah, they they uh, they held Buffalo to the lowest uh, yards total in six years, mm. 314 so, yards. What's they got two turnovers.
3: Yeah, what's frustrating is that, you know, even down 14-0, he's still well in
2: that ball game. Do you know what I mean? It's like – Yeah, Parker drops y- y- all yeah. of this happened – check this out, Simon. All of this happened while the score was 14-0. Parker dropped a touchdown in the end zone. Jakeem Grant fumbled at the five-yard line. And Albert Wilson dropped the pass at the two-yard line.
3: <laughs> yeah, you have the bad reset interception when you're driving. You know, you just mentioned the Parker drop uh, and the and the Wilson drop and the Grant drop or fumble. Then you have then they punt to you and Jalen Mordell gets the ball in midfield. He fumbles as well, and it's yeah. just like you're still significantly in that ball game at that point. But you know, I mean, there are many many questions, and obviously the three of us have been digging around with our sources. And for those of you that are listening on or you know can follow us on OnlyFins, then. Um, you know, you'll, you'll sort of see a lot of the stuff that we talked about and some intriguing stuff that, that came out of um, certainly a few of our sources today um, about the pressure that is obviously now on Chris Greer. And look, it's something nobody wants to be the smart ass. And, you know, people accuse me yesterday of being a smart ass and whatever. And, uh, you know, I want the Dolphins to go 60 and 0 win every game of the playoffs uh, win the Super Bowl but I'm also not stupid enough to think that's going to happen and I'm also not stupid enough to think this team is not significantly flawed and I have been saying it for a while but I also don't get any joy from saying that it's a flawed team I don't sit here every week and think yes you know the Dolphins lost 35 nothing I can look smart on the podcast that's not really how life works but you know, there is an element to me, and I mentioned it a couple of times, that these players, that Chris Greer, you know, when you do a, when you do a, um, when you tear it all down and you re- rebuild it in the way, in the dramatic way that the Dolphins did, not only in dra in the draft, but also with free agency money and free agency capital and cap space, you have to get it right, and you have to get it right for a number of reasons. One, by the very nature of the fact that you have to get it right. But secondarily, you have to get it right by drafting the right players. And it's becoming patently obvious now that that hasn't happened. It's becoming really more and more difficult week by week to see where the Dolphins... um, Difference makers are coming, you know, you, you go back and look. I mean, God, I look today at the, tw- I mean, look at the 2017 draft. I know that's not all on Chris Greer, but Charles Harris, Raekwon McMillan, Cordrea Tankersley, Isaac Asiata, Davon Godchild, Vincent Taylor, Isaiah Ford. I mean, that is pretty bad. But the, the worst of the indictment is that if you tear the team down and your two best players three years into essentially a rebuild or two and a half years into a rebuild are a kicker and a guy that was drafted in the second round in 2016 that is a damning indictment of everything that you've done right Mm -hmm. the the fact that you have two all pro players or three all pro players but two of them now play for other teams because you deemed it unnecessary for them to still be on the team You know, I sort of semi jokingly tweeted yesterday about maybe we should have kept Larry Tunsil. But the more you think about it, the more you think, you know, and I'm never going to, you know, I I know that there were mitigating circumstances and and I'm sure that Minka didn't cover himself in glory, but I'm never going to get past the idea that we got rid of him just because we were so inflexible in terms of a coaching staff. And look, Brian Flores has a lot of good things about him, but he is incredibly stubborn. We know he's incredibly stubborn. Mm. You know, we'll get to the offensive line in a minute. But does anybody listening and do any of the three of us genuinely really think that there are going to be massive upheavals on the offensive line? I don't think so. Who's going to put their hand up and say that they absolutely whiffed on Austin Jackson two games into a sophomore season? Mm. Because they have done. Let's be honest about it. Austin Jackson is broken. You know, he is he is he's done as a player. You, you are not going to get a player out of Austin Jackson now. You only have to look at him. You know, look at the kick slide. It's not good enough. His feet don't move quickly enough. Despite his athletic ability, he can't anchor. He isn't strong enough. I mean, he got bull rushed, overpowered by Matt Milano. Yeah, Matt Milano's a really good player, but you should not be getting ball rushed into your own quarterback by Matt Milano. I mean, I don't Milano trust Matt Milano
2: pro- is a 230-pound coverage linebacker. Yeah, exactly. That shouldn't happen.
3: I mean, I, of course it shouldn't. People saying, let's move Austin Jackson to guard. To guard?! He just got walked <laughs> back into the quarterback yeah, by a 230-pound outside linebacker. But that's not going to happen. He, he doesn't use his hands well. He His base is too narrow. He waist bends. Uh, I mean, there was one stage he gave up a sack yesterday, and he literally threw the def- – he got beaten so badly, and he was off balance that he threw the defensive end into Jacoby Brissett for the sack. <laughs> it was like he was playing bowls. I mean, the only thing that was missing was those funny shoes that they make you wear, the, the bowling um, – the bowling lanes, it was There's just unbelievable. One
2: rep. There was one rep where Austin Jackson is, I think it was against Greg Rousseau, and Rousseau doesn't get the sack, but Jacoby Brissett sees it. Like, you can almost see Jacoby Brissett saying, okay, here it comes. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to sidestep this rush. Yeah, Because if I don't sidestep it, Greg gonna Rousseau crushed. is going to take my head off. But if you watch the rep, Austin Jackson seems surprised that pass rushers can go inside.
3: <laughs> that, that offensive line has to be, I mean, again, I take no joy in saying this, but it has to be one of the worst offensive lines I've seen in the NFL in a very long time. Um, You know, I spoke to somebody within the Dolphins front office area today who said that um, finger-crossing over certain players has now become sweaty palms over certain players. And Austin Jackson is front and centre on that list. Let's be be honest. And, you know, we'll see whether or not he can back it up tonight against Green Bay. But Pene Sewell looked very, very good last week at left tackle Mm -hmm. for Detroit. Rashawn Slater has played two games for the Chargers and looks like an all-pro, like an an absolute all-pro. The Dolphins essentially uh, uh, traded down and then gave up a first-round pick to move back up and get Jalen Wardle, who looks fun. But, you know, he he looks like he's going to be a significant contributor. But let's not forget, Jalen Wardle's dropped three passes and had a fumble in Mm. two games. You watched Rondale Moore yesterday for the Cardinals. Um, You know, the Dolphins could have drafted Rashawn Slater and then come back and drafted Rondale Moore. um, And things would probably have looked significantly different. So, yeah. There's just—I mean, there's so many alleyways with which we can go down. Chris Greer has got to be on the hot seat for the just the terrible front office decisions that he's made, and he has made. You know, I mean, let's let's break it down. I mean, Raekwon's upside is massive. Okay, Raekwon Davis's upside is massive, but at the moment, that's all it is. It's just upside. Jackson, I don't believe is redeemable. He gave up nine hurries yesterday. I mean, they're a are, there are left hand. David Bactiari has not given up nine hurries in the last two seasons. You know, he doesn't look strong enough. He can't anchor. He can't use his feet. He bends at the waist, as we mentioned. But if you watch him at USC, this is what he did. You go back and watch against Utah, against Bradley and I. This this is Austin Jackson all over. You know, you look at, I mean, who else is there? You know, Brandon Jones, you know, he's, he's fine. You know, Model fine, Holland looks like a good player, but don't forget, this is a system that doesn't make stars out of safeties. Jackson again, atrocious. Jury is completely out on tour. You know, it's let's be honest, it's completely out on him. As much as we like him, it's completely out on him, and it doesn't make it any better that Justin Herbert looks like a future Hall of Famer as every week goes by. You know, he made a couple of throws yesterday. You're just like, good God, that's just sick.
2: Yeah, but he also has four interceptions this year, and all of them into the end zone.
3: Well, yeah. I mean Robert Hunt seems to have regressed. Noah Igben has been a healthy scratch for two weeks running. We just said about Raycon, the journey is out. Brandon Jones is okay. Kindley is average, but he looks to have regressed. Christian Wilkins is solid, but he's unspectacular. You know, how many how many times does Christian Wilkins make a big play? I mean he doesn't. He plays well. You know, Dieter is below average. I mean he's you you know he played okay yesterday but he's below average it's hard to judge his current crop and it's unfair to judge his current crop on two games but I mean Jane and Phillips looked miles away you know Hunter Long was a healthy scratch yesterday and if Eichenberg can't beat out the detritus that's on that line as it is then what does that say about him or what does it say about the stubbornness that we've already talked about about Brian Flores so I don't know, but there are significant questions that need answering. And I think, and in fact, I know, and we know that as the three of us, that Chris Greer is beginning to feel some significant heat under his feet, as he should, as he should, because this tear down and rebuild looks to have failed in a quite dramatic and unmitigated disaster style fashion you know you've got to hit on you've got to hit on 40 50% of the players and they've hit on i mean what 5% 6% of the players i mean it's i mean it's drastic it's what well, i would look at bad. like if we if
2: we're just going to judge uh, this regime as it came in they've had what i would call moderately good drafts the problem is in 2020 that first round those three first round picks yeah right now they're not getting dividends uh, what they have in their quarterback, Tuatunga Baoloa, has been an average quarterback, an average NFL starter, is what they've gotten so far. That's not what they drafted, fifth overall. Austin Jackson's an d- absolute disaster. Yeah. Noah Benagri doesn't play. So it's like essentially yeah. you drafted, you used the 30th overall for nothing. Robert Hunt, they love. He's play, He played okay against New England. He played bad yesterday. Raquan Davis, we all like. Brandon Jones, we like. So we're talking about, yeah, they're hitting. At about league average on their draft picks. They really love this draft they just had, but we can't judge it for a year. Mm. The 2019 draft, like you said, it's just it's serviceable players. You got Andrew Van Ginkel in there, who's a nice player, had a good game yesterday. You know, Miles Gaskin, who's a decent player. Kristen Wilkins, who's a, he's a lunch pail guy, he's like a glue guy. A lot of their good work has been on the defensive side of the ball in free agency with you know, Byron Jones, Eric Rowe, Emmanuel Ogba those guys are the nucleus of what's a decent defense and really a a good secondary. So they did some work on the defensive side of the ball. This reminds me of the Jimmy Johnson era where they could get the defensive side of the ball right consistently. And the offense was an unmitigated disaster year after year after year, no matter what they tried. And so far, what what have they gotten on the offensive side of the ball? that they didn't just go out and pay big dollars for. Will Fuller seems to – he's going to come back this week. He's back at practice. We're we are glad to see that, that he's over – or maybe he's not over his personal issue, but he's dealt with his personal issue and he's back this week. But on the offensive side of the ball, what do they have? An Adam Gates draft pick and Mike Gusecki that they can hang hang their hat on? Because the offensive line, there's nothing really to like there, really.
3: Yeah, but, I mean, you talk about Gaseki. I mean – what, did he have no catches in the first game? Yeah, um, <laughs> no target. He got them one, target in, one target in the first, in the first game. game. What did he have, maybe four catches on Sunday?
2: Yeah, he had but four on Sunday.
3: Should, should I tell you what else I find really disconcerting? Sorry, I'm just I'm getting my charger for my laptop for anybody that thinks what on earth is going on. <laughs> um, what I think is equally as disconcerting is that one of the issues that we talked a little bit about on the podcast last season, but, um, and I can't work out whether or not it, it's a, a, a factor. Um, sorry, I'm just plugging in. Whether it's a factor of the bad offensive line, but receivers cannot get open. You know, I watch games around the league on red zone and stuff. And You know, at the moment, I just don't have any time to, to really sit down and study games like I normally do because of work, which hopefully we'll finish in the next few days. But... You know, I watched the highlights of that Ravens Chiefs game. You've got receivers running open all over the place. And you think, is that scheme? And if it is scheme, why consistently over the past five, six years have we not been able to do that? And secondly, if it's not scheme, it must be offensive line. And if it is offensive line, what does that tell you about the way that they drafted and the players that they brought in? You know, you look last night, they weren't perfect last night at all, you know, but. That Kansas City Chiefs offensive line is completely rebooted and they went out and did it they went out and you know they went out and and got the players they targeted what what the issue was and they did it you look at the same with the Pittsburgh Steelers they're completely you know they got rid of Andre Villanueva Alejandro Villanueva who's now playing for the, for the Ravens ironically um they completely retooled the offensive line and early returns look pretty good um the cleveland browns you know a couple of years ago they decided that they needed to really change that that offensive line and that's what they did they went out and made sure over two seasons that they got baker mayfield some protection and unless you have tom brady unless you have um aaron rodgers you do not have players that can just simply win games on their own do you know what i mean so mm-hmm. The, the Browns, for example, Andrew Barry went out and got Jack Conklin. You know, he went out and got Wyatt Teller. He went out and got JC Tretter. He went out and drafted Jedrick Wills, Joel Batonio. Do you know what I mean? He, they made a point of thinking, you know what? Baker Mayfield can't do it all on his own. Yes, we can get running backs and yes, we can get... But for the running backs to work, for the passing game to work, he has to stay on his feet. You know, Aaron Rodgers... Look at Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl last year. You know, the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes looked like a, you know, Jacoby Brissett on Sunday in the Super Bowl because he just didn't have time to stand up. And he's the, you know, he is the next generation of incredible quarterbacks. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He looks like he's going to be mentioned in the same breath as Marino, Brady, Aikman, Montana, Mahomes. You know, he's going to be one of the Rodgers. He's going to be one of those guys. We know he is. And yet in in the biggest game of all, he couldn't set his feet. He couldn't, you know, so what did they do? What did Brett Veach go out and do? They retooled an offensive line. They traded for Orlando Brown. Yeah, They'd but you know what? Best... All of
2: those teams that you mentioned did and the Dolphins did not? None of those teams used seven draft picks to fill out five spots. Yeah, all of you... those teams spent big money on yeah. a real offensive lineman. But and in the Chiefs' it's... case, two offensive linemen, Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney, are extremely expensive.
3: Yeah, that's what also, the Dolphins
2: should have done. But get it right.
3: Yeah, you've got, you created all that cash for yourself. What did they do with it, really and truly? What did they do they with gave, it? They, well,
2: they, they gave, gave it to, to defensive Byron backs. Jones. Defensive yeah. backs. <laughs> <But> why? Because <laughs> that's what they like. You know, <laughs> the defensive side of know, the ball.
3: I don't understand why you go out and pay that money for for, for Byron Jones if you were going to draft Nourik Benogane. Do you mm.
0: know what I mean?
3: And that, you, you, you're in a situation now. You get to the end of this season, you're in a situation where Nick Needham is a free agent, potentially. I think he's a restricted free agent. Um, you know but somebody could put down a big offer for Nick Needham you know he's a start, probably a starting cornerback in this league you know in a league of mm-hmm. you know an aerial league that means Igben has got to play if you keep Needham are you really going to healthy scratch your 30th overall pick for the third season running do you know what I mean mm-hmm. or are you going to continue to play Byron Jones or are you going to trade Byron Jones are you going to trade Howard you know because at some point Igben has got to play otherwise you look even more ridiculous than you currently do mm-hmm. so uh, I don't know like i to me yesterday's result wasn't surprising for two reasons one that we already mentioned which is that i don't think they match up very well two i don't think this team is that good i just don't this team like you look at a team like baltimore last night okay baltimore expects to be good baltimore is built on a level of we are that good we're one of the elite teams and it doesn't matter who we lose, whether that's Marshall Yander, whether that's, you know, you look at the three running backs they lost, you know, J.K. Dobbins to the, to the Achilles, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards to two ACLs or the other way around, whichever it was. Take Lamar out of the equation. They still have a better running game than the Dolphins do. And two, you know, two of those players, they brought in as street free agents last week in Latavius Murray and in um, Devonta Freeman. the the Baltimore Ravens expect to be good every week. Okay. Every season for, for a reason. Right. And it's coaching, you know, John Harbour isn't a fantastic coach. It's also the front office and whether that was Aussie Newsome before um, or whether that's, you know, the situation now with, um, with Eric DaCosta, you know, the Miami Dolphins do not expect to be good. It's a surprise if the Miami Dolphins are good. Do you know what I mean? It's a surprise if we get a coach that can coach well. It's a surprise if we can get a quarterback that can play well. And that's why we are a bit of a national joke. That's why, you know, we have people on social media every week going, oh, but the, Mina Kime said this nasty about us. And, you know, Dan Orlovsky was nasty about us. Uh, well, we haven't done anything. What, what, what have we done to deserve being talked about? in any way shape or form as if we're any sort of relevance on a national set because we are not relevant and I think that's part of the thing that the fans have to get their head around and it's difficult when you've had 30 years of irrelevance since number 13 retired but it's true we are irrelevant for a reason and it's because we are not very good and there are teams around the league that you just look at them they just have a swagger they just have a sense the Steelers are another team you Know it, it doesn't. The Packers are another team. When was the last time the Packers were really bad, like right? consistently really bad? Yeah, they've had a couple of you know bad seasons. When, were the, when was the last time the Steelers were really bad? Even when it gets to the, the end of a tenure, year, you know, the 49ers had a few down years, but you know, San Francisco went Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jeff Garcia, bit of a down year, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance. You know, the Green Bay Packers went well, Don Mikowski, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. And then, you know, you've got Jordan Love. Ben Roethlisberger has been playing since, you know, the beginning of time. But there are a reason that teams are good. And there is a reason why Miami is bad. And we have not been able to solve the problem as to why we are bad. And for the life of me, it doesn't look like we have any clue as to how to solve the problem moving forwards. So it provides an enormous decision for Stephen Ross, who, as we know wants to win a Super Bowl before he dies. You know, he's, eight, he's not like he's, a, you know, he's not knocking on heaven's door right now, but he's mm. 81, 83. He has spent what? I mean, when he's added all together, what? 500,000, 500 million, a billion dollars More on his that. team? Uh, if, if you throw in two stadium. Billion dollars. Okay. Yeah. When you spend $2 billion for, for anything, you want some sort of return, right? If I put down $2 billion on an island, like Richard Branson's island, Necker, I get lovely beaches and, palm trees if i put two million dollars down on a series of cars i get to drive a ferrari and a porsche and a lamborghini and a you know if i put two billion dollars down on a jet well you know i get to fly all around the world in my own private company i don't have to queue for you know baggage control and passport and stuff if i put two billion pound down on a sporting team and i get nothing in return he has the right to be pissed off you know, people say, oh, this is Stephen Ross's fault. It, it, I mean, the only fault of Stephen Ross's is, is that he's been too loyal. You know, it is not Stephen Ross's fault that he's fantastic in business and his team is unsuccessful. Is he partially to brain? Possibly. But then, you know, why were uh, John Henry, for example? So John Henry obviously owns the Boston Red Sox, but also owns my soccer team, uh, Liverpool. Hmm. Um. He also owned the
2: Marlins down here for a brief. He also owned the Marlins, in
3: and the point I was going to make was: so I assume that the Marlins weren't very good when he was the owner, right? Is that?
2: Yeah, he sold yeah. it to a, a horrific owner that then immediately won a World Series with. <laughs> okay, okay.
3: Jeffrey Luria. Well, Jeff Luria. Oh, Luria is he's, he's, he's the Expos guy, wasn't he? Was
2: yeah, it? he was. Yeah. Uh, he's an art dealer. Yeah, he's one of the okay. worst owners in the history of sport. And he owns a, a World Series ring.
3: Okay, but when John Henry was the owner of the, the of the um, of the Marlins, the Marlins weren't very good. He then bought the Red Sox. They obviously won a World Series for the first time since whenever it was, breaking the curse. It was eighty six
2: years. Yeah,
3: and Liverpool, who are the team that I support won the league title for the the Premier League title for the first time in 33 years. I've won Mm -hmm. a Champions League, so the European Cup for the best club teams in Europe um, under their tenure. So why are they good owners now? But why were they bad owners when they were with the... It's not just because... It's not just a money thing. There are so many things that go into the... That percolate into the pot. The reasons why, you know, Team A is good, Team B is bad. John Henry has solved the problem because he is clinical with his decision-making, whether that's Theo, whatever his name was, Epstein, yeah, the Boston Epstein. whether that was Brendan Rodgers, who is the manager of Liverpool, who took Liverpool to second in the Premier League. They lost the title, the closest they've ever come to winning it since 19, uh, 1990. They lost by four points in the end, but the, the title was in their hands and they blew it. Rodgers, 10 games into the, the following season, didn't start particularly well. He was sacked. John Henry made a decision to sack Brendan Rodgers and bring in Jurgen Klopp, who was arguably the best manager in Europe, who just left his team, Borussia Dortmund, in Germany. Um, and mm-hmm. Liverpool in five years have been absolutely transformed, won the league title, finished second, this has the highest points total of all time. For a team that won it, let alone to finish second, they won the Champions League. So, Stephen Ross does not make quick-fire decisions. We've seen that over history, whether that's, you know, Adam Gaze, whether all the way back in the day, you know, how long did he keep Mike Tannenbaum around? And, you know, then he wasn't the GM, then he was somebody else, and he was moved into a different position in the front office, and he became, you know, they invented titles for him. You know, he has got to be, time is running out for Stephen Ross in life, but time is running out for him to keep piling money into this, because at some point he's going to have to think, What's the point? What am I getting from this? Just to look like, the camera cut yesterday to the three of them, Garfinkel, Marino, and Ross sat in the, it looked like they were at a funeral. And I'll tell you what it looked like. Not only did it look like it was a a funeral, it looked like, here we fucking go again. You know, what sort of indictment is that of the people that you pay money to, 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 because Ross had to buy into that tear down. You know, he had to buy into this massive rebuild he knows he's not stupid Tom Garfinkel is one of the smartest guy yeah smartest guy in the room syndrome that's Tom Garfinkel he knows yeah Marino mm-hmm. knows they know that this rebuild has been bodged massively you know it could turn around because Tua could turn to the quarterback that we hope he does but let's be totally honest and all three of us take off our sort of Tua loving glasses because we all love the kid we love him as a kid we love him as a player we love him at Alabama. We, we, we went hard for him. You know, I can remember tweeting out about how, how I'd give up being a fan if we tweeted that if we drafted Justin Herbert, which is one of the most yeah. ludicrous things I've ever said. But at the time, you know, I was desperate for tour. But let's be completely honest with ourselves. Peter King wrote it, wrote it today. The answer is still the question. And until we solve that quarterback question, and it's the reason why Deshaun Watson remains the, the break glass in emergency Situation: Is he going to solve the offensive line? No. Is he going to solve the running game? No. Is he going to solve wide receivers creating separation? No. But he has something that a Miami quarterback hasn't had since Dan Marino was was in his pomp. Yeah, he's a top five quarterback in the NFL, and at some point, you know, the Dolphins might
2: have to break. Well, that's that the that's glass. the break glass in case of emergency. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs>
3: sometimes you've just got to, sometimes. To me, it's getting to a point where Steve Ross is like, we're going to have to break this glass because I am now 83 years old or 81 years old. I have ploughed $2 billion into this, and I don't have an island, and I don't have a jet, and I don't have fancy cars. I have a team that is failing year after year. year. If the Miami Dolphins were an actual business and not a sports team business, (laughs) I mean, they would have gone into liquidation years ago. Because they're not good enough they're not run well enough there's no there's no well they start what? and stop
2: they start and stop and they yeah. have success like every every but, but eight su- years su- or so.
3: success how are we measuring success they've been to the playoffs twice since two thousand, three three times since 2000 is that right so the james again, we lost in the wild card against baltimore and james at with the helmet catch where he caught the ball with his face mask <laughs> then, that when we won the AFC East with Chad Pennington and then we lost in the first round,
2: yeah, to the Ravens and then to the 2016 Ravens.
3: against and the 2016, Steelers. we lost to the Steelers when Matt Moore started because obviously hurt his is near. We, we got knocked out in the first
2: round, yeah. And last year, we so missed out in the last game of the season. That's not success.
3: That's that's three times in 21 years, even the sun shines on the dog's ass some days. That's that's it, really. I mean,
2: yeah, I think the it's the only really... team's
3: more abject. Detroit, and there might be one other team, two other teams. There's not many other teams that have, uh, have had a. As well, I think around.
2: the list, the list with with equal droughts is somewhere around six or seven. There's six or seven teams. Buffalo was one of them before last year.
3: Yeah, the, Buffalo hadn't out.
2: won a playoff game like in twenty something odd, twenty something odd years, and they pulled it off last year by winning a playoff game.
3: They worked it out because they got the synergy between GM, ownership, coach, quarterback. Stability of the offensive coordinator. Okay. The Pagulas, you know, doing what, excuse me, doing what Steve Ross did in terms of plowing money in, investing, being good owners, good leaders. Brandon Bean, excellent GM. Sean McDermott, terrific coach. Brian Dable, outstanding, consistent offensive coordinator who's been there with Josh Allen. And he's guided Josh Allen from being this wild Wyoming quarterback who was throwing the ball all over the yard and out of bounds and you know, fifty feet over people's heads and getting picked, he's turned him into a legitimate top five quarterback in the league.
2: Yeah, and they also That's, figure out and they also figure out ways to win. When we can't when, even
3: choose an offensive coordinator.
2: Oh we got three of them right now. Yeah. Well, we could choose offensive them line, we've got we could an offensive choose line them. Coach. We just choose a lot of them.
3: <laughs> we just I mean
2: changing them. But what the Bills did yesterday is an example of of how Miami where Miami has to get to. You have to get to the point where you could win in a bunch of different ways. And the Bills yesterday, it looked like Miami. It's a game of whack-a-mole every time you play against the, the Bills, it seems. Miami yesterday seemed to have a decent plan for the Bills passing game. But they forgot that they could run the ball. So what happens? They run an inside zone. They block everybody up, and it's a touchdown early in the game. And then, of course, our offense could have moved it from here to there without either turning it over or dropping the ball. And then, of course, their pass rush was relentless the entire game because our offensive line was bad. So we managed to figure out one part, one tiny phase of the game, one of about five phases, but they beat us in the rest, really, really bad. So that you know that's part of the problem. But like I said, I spoke to Brian McKinney once. The the oddly yeah. enough, I had a conversation with him once, and I and I asked him, you know, you should you have like the bonafides to be a a hall of famer, but you're not a hall of famer because you played in the NFC with six hall of fame left tackles, which they all went in. He's the odd man out, but he has like seven pro bowls. He's been an all pro four times, but I spoke to him once and I asked him about like a youth movement in the NFL, like if you tore down a team and he said, look, I would put a, a veteran starter at every unit because young guys just don't know. They all come in with their own preconceived notions, and the coaches can't be everywhere at once, and they're definitely not with the players. You cannot. Look at the offensive line. It's all, well, minus Jesse Davis, but let's face it. He shouldn't be starting. They're all first- and second-year players. When have you ever seen that in the NFL, yeah. where your entire offensive line are rookies or second-year players? Yeah. It doesn't exist. They tried to do something completely out of the box, and it's blown up in their face.
3: But the thing is, Alf, they had the chance to do it. They had the chance to fix it, and they blew it. They blew it so Mm -hmm. spectacularly. And what's worse is that they drafted a subpar left tackle last year in Austin Jackson, and then essentially they ruled themselves out of Rashawn Slater and Penesol because they didn't draft. And
2: to be honest with you, and I don't understand this one bit, We saw Liam Eikenberg play left tackle against the New England Patriots on the road. You know, uh, that crowd was pretty loud, so he has to listen to the cadence. He was feeling a little pressure. Okay, Liam Eikenberg was playing under considerable pressure for a rookie in Foxborough. He played fine. Guess what? Playing fine is enough right now. What is not enough is being an unmitigated disaster like Austin Jackson was. I don't know how you watch Liam Eikenberg play that first game and then watch Austin Jackson play the second game and then go into Las Vegas and Liam Meckenberg is not the left tackle. I don't understand it. I you have your evidence. You have film tape of two games. Yeah, I think yesterday
3: was in many ways more shambolic than that 59-point game the Ravens put up on, us, up on us in 2019. I think this was the most disappointing game.
2: It was absolutely disappointing. 10 years? The, Because it was it was highlighting every single flaw on the team, every single one of them, and and it just started snowballing. It was one thing after another. It was just, you know, and the Bills were giving you opportunities. They weren't playing all that great. Okay, you want to give credit to your defense? Okay, fine. Your secondary was playing well. They were making some plays. Xavier Howard makes plays all the time. Doesn't matter. He still gave up a touchdown, but you know, you can't run around for six seconds and expect to cover <laughs> Stefan Diggs, you know what I mean? Yeah. But even exhibit, come on, Xavier Howard gives you the ball back at the 30 yard line and crowds excited. Everybody's excited. It's 14, nothing. And there's still nine minutes left. There's plenty of time to get into this game and you turn it over three plays later. Like, come on. It's just, it's just, it was just awful. It was awful all around. And as far as an offensive performance, maybe the worst, at least in recent history, Hmm. but I think it's all down to that one. It's down to that one unit you could get not even I'll settle for slightly below average, which I think they're capable of. If they could be slightly below average, we're fine. We're back. We're back to talking about playoffs. Obviously the division is over with because you have to beat Buffalo once. And now you're going to Buffalo. You're not going to beat them over there. That's a fact. And they're in your head. That's, a, you know, Buffalo is for another offseason. We'll figure it out next offseason. You kind of figured out that you could compete with their passing game. Now you got to comp- compete with the rest of their team, okay? But I guess we could go out on this. You know, it's, it's not a short week because we're playing on, on, on Sunday. But what are you doing with the offensive line? Today, Brian Flores said that, yeah, everything's on the table and personal changes could be coming on the offensive line. What do you do? with the resources that you have right now?
3: Well, if Davis wasn't, in, I, I, I'd wait to see what the injury for, to Jesse Davis is. But I, would I, can, I can
2: give you a little insight. Uh, somebody told me, and it's not, it's, it's not going to be on the injury report probably, but they fear it could be worse than, than it's being let on.
3: Okay. I mean, if he was healthy, I'd probably go Eichenberg, Kindley, Dieter, Davis, Hunt, back at right tackle. Mm-hmm. But I think you've probably got to go Eichenberg, Kindley, Dieter, Jones, mm. or Greg Manx, and Robert Hunt. Uh, I, I think Austin Jackson has to be benched. Uh, but he won't be. He won't be benched. They won't bench him. They can't bench him. The the optics on benching him would be horrendous, because that would mean you would got Noah, a healthy scratch, Jackson, Demoted to a uh, injured and who ha- has uh, played okay. Mm. I mean, that is a damning indictment. That, that is right there in
2: black and white for everybody to see. Yeah, they bench Austin Jackson. It's an essential admit, admittance it's, that they threw away the 18th overall pick and the 30th. Possibly. Yeah, the, the 30th. They have one training camp to save it. The 30th. That's next training camp. Noah Bonagini is not a starter. Next training camp, might as well start cutting him too. Or trading him for like a six-round pick. See see what you can salvage yeah. out of that out of that draft pick. But yeah, Austin Jackson, I don't see how you can play him. He's unplayable at this point. Yeah. He's just unplayable. And you have a guy in Tua Valoa. Uh, you know, we've gotten some good news today. Will Fuller is back. Although that won't matter if your offensive line can't give you a quarterback any time whatsoever. But we also got further good news that to Lo all his tests came back negative so it's about pain tolerance in the near term. In the long term, he's fine as long as he's not taking more hits, obviously. So if he plays on Sunday, you got to protect him yeah. and your best chance at protecting him is not playing Austin Jackson. That's just yeah. a fact. They got to do something. and the good thing is you got time. there's time. the only thing you do have on your time on your side is you have time. You have the tread deadline in a few weeks. You have a little free agent cash. There's a few guys that are legitimate uh, veterans that can actually give you average play, and average play is enough, sadly. But, yeah, in the offseason, you got to talk about blowing up the entire offensive line. And if that's the case, you know who's probably out of here as well. (laughs) So, so, all right, the next time we talk to you guys, we'll be talking about the Raiders Sunday. That's another thing, Simon. Did you see all the injury luck the Dolphins got? Yeah. It's like somebody's looking out for them. Uh, Carson Wentz has the the very odd two sprained ankles. Yeah. You tell me how that's possible, but he he has it.
1: Yeah.
2: And Derek Carr is also injured, but he's probably a game-time decision on Sunday. I think he'll play. All right. Next Wednesday, this Wednesday, we will talk Raiders, Dolphins in Las Vegas. But till then.
1: Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean or your usual podcast provider.